0: the space a podcast about doctor who my name is david and as always i am joined by the calcified matt hello there so today we are we've got a bit of a big one on our hands yeah another two-parter another two-parter the return of the weeping angels mm. you think you would be seeing them again yeah I, I was looking forward to this yeah and you didn't even know that there was another big return uh, in addition to The Weekend. No, actually, no, no. So I didn't. Aware of. So so a little bit of River Song. Yeah. Well. I think you, you clocked her in the trailer for Series 5, but actually thought that it was Tracy Ann Oberman from Series yeah, 2. Quite, quite. Yeah, I there think that's who you thought that was. Yeah. So I'll spoil that now. She's not coming back in this series. Right. But we do have River I Song. Mean, I didn't think when I saw <laughs> that trailer, I was like, it's a bit of a leap getting her back. Yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah. Obviously a beloved fan Shows how pain. much like attention I've been paying. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, yeah, so lots to get our teeth into. Um, do you want to tell me how you feel about this episode up top? or um, Disappointed. Really? I, it, I think the Weeping Angels should have just been left alone. Mm. This tries to give them a character, and they don't need it. What was scary about them was, we didn't know anything about them, they just move. Yeah. Whereas here, like, we hear them talk. I mean, to an extent. We see them move even though we're looking at them. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, and it, you know, Blink is such a special episode in that it doesn't even really have the Doctor in it. Yeah. And here, they're just reduced to, like, Monster of the Week. Okay, that's that's fair enough. I think if we'd have left them alone, I mean, I I don't know or really care for the Doctor Who fan community. Yeah. But, like, I imagine they'd be heralded so much more if we didn't have this. Maybe. I mean, I'll be honest, these episodes are probably firm fan favourites. Really? Yeah. I mean, I quite like them. I don't think they're perfect, but I really quite enjoy them. I'm not saying they're terrible, but... You've got to look at what's come before, and they are yeah. no blink. But the point is, they're not. Tr- it's not trying to be. And what I like and appreciate about this two-parter is that it's taken the, the basic concept of the Reaping Angels and said, "Okay, right, we've done Blink. Mm-hmm. Let's do something completely different." Because there is no point trying to just do Blink again. Mm. And so Moffat doesn't even try. But I think. And you, he just takes it in a completely different direction. There, there's a list, as long as my arm, of aliens that are here for one week yeah, and then we move on and they're never going to be shown again and yeah. they're instantly forgettable. And blink was the episode that broke that cycle yeah you know i wasn't left thinking oh i must see more weeping angels no because as we know from the ends of blink i see weeping angels every time i see a statue yeah do you remember that That yeah it is a very weird ending yeah um yeah no i i really in some ways i prefer this to blink really yeah just because it's doing something very different, and I enjoy enjoy the story more, I think. And also, I think it's a, another great Matt Smith performance. Mm. I like all the stuff with River song. I think we've got another brilliant guest character in the form of Father Octavian, played okay. by Ian Glenn. We'll talk more about him in this episode, no doubt. Um, I just... This, to me, it's... Okay. Blink is special and different and interesting for that reason but this for me is just good solid satisfying meat and potatoes doctor who and i'd like it for that and uh, i i i'm going to say it's going to fall into your main criticism of doctor who mm-hmm. that it doesn't do action particularly well no it doesn't absolutely not it's very poorly directed yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but um but that's kind of by the by as far as I can say, I, I, I forgive it because I think the script is so strong. I, and, and I'm in it for the character stuff. Right, shall we delve into it? Why not? Okay, so it's episode four and five of season five, from the 24th of April and the 1st of May, 2010. Yeah. And you've talked about cameos. Did you recognise the initial opening? Uh, I don't, no, I don't think I recognise any actors in this other than our regulars and Ian Glenn. Okay, so we open with... A gentleman spinning round in a park. Uh huh. He's got lipstick on his face. He does. And it's someone we've actually discussed on pod. Oh, is it? Okay, because that is Mike Skinner, who okay. is lead vocalist for the Streets. All oh, right. Okay. So that. I didn't know yeah. if that was like he was a fan or because they'd used his music. Maybe. But yeah. I had no idea. Oh so yeah. That's so a bit so when he's spinning round. Yeah. Yeah. That's Mike Skinner. Yeah. And in the park, a man in a tuxedo and some armed guards approach. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the park that they're stood in is a hallucination in Mike Skinner's mind. Yeah, because the lipstick on his face contained a hallucinogen. Uh uh-huh. And from there, the man in the tux says, "She's here." Uh huh. We cut, and there's a lady seemingly breaking in to somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's no great spoiler to say it's River Song. It is indeed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't see her straight away. We see, like, the back of her head. Yeah. Uh, I mean, had you twigged yet? Um, at what point did you actually know that it was her? Uh, I don't know, actually. Maybe a little bit later. Yeah. Maybe a little bit later. Although, it's very, like, Carmen Diego. Yeah. So... I think I maybe did notice at this point just the fact that they were like making such a fuss. Yeah, obviously, it's go, she's going to be somebody important. Yeah, you know, so. it was either going to be Riversong or Lady Christina. So, yeah, I'm very grateful that it was Riversong. I so don't know about, about you. <laughs> yeah. So then we're 12,000 years later, so we're sort of in the deep future. And the Doctor and Amy are in the biggest museum ever. Yeah. And the Doctor says it's how he likes to keep score. Well, in fact, I think his Amy says that to yeah. him. Like, Sorry. Uh, accuses him. Because <laughs> at, at first, he's just like, why are you dragging me around this museum? And he's just like, he's just sort of skipping through, going like, wrong, wrong, wrong. Well, that's one of mine. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Yeah. So they see a box, which yeah. is a home box. Which yeah. It's like a future version of, of a black, black box. box. Yeah. And it's got a message welded into it that, I think we'd seen River inscribing on it earlier. Yes, because she had like a little gun that, like, I think, sent out a beam and, she, and then she like twisted the nozzle on it so it became like a little blowtorch. Yeah, I think yeah. earlier on I thought she was breaking into somewhere using yes. it, but she's not. She's no, just, she's just inscribing on it. Yeah, the Old High Gallifreyan. Yeah. The ancient language of the so time. So the writing says, Hello, Sweetie. Yeah. And that's where it's openly revealed that it's River. Yeah. And the man in the tux calls her Doctor Song. Yeah. I don't think she was Doctor last time. No, she was a professor. Okay. And that's actually referenced later. It is. Um, but yeah. I didn't know if her being called Doctor was like due to her association with the Doctor. Or whether she'd earned that title. I think she's earned it. Okay. and The man in the tux is called Alistair. So the doctor steals the home box. We see them running out of the museum, mm-hmm. and they plug it into the TARDIS, where they can watch it through time. Well, no, because it's it's got it's basically they're watching CCTV. That's recording. That's right. um, so whilst Alistair is talking to River, yeah, River is talking to the CCTV, giving yeah. coordinates in yeah. time and space. Yeah. So at that exact moment. She opens the door and jumps out into space. Yeah. and into the TARDIS. Yeah, her back to, to space as well. Man, that is that's a confident lady. Yeah, like I mean, she knows that he's going to have her back there. Yeah, well, Cause that's, it's, it's, it's just like the alternate trustful, isn't it? Just falling into space. Well, a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about the beast below, yeah, our enemy of the podcast, an all-round general fool, yes. Tim Riley. Sent me a couple of messages. Yeah, you're not allowed to talk to Tim. No. Sent me a couple of messages complaining about my knowledge of science uh-huh. and that you were right when I was discussing engine rumble. Uh-huh. So I'm going to throw some science at you and Tim. Okay. And say she's definitely dead. Uh, no, she's not because she says when she's talking to the CCTV thing, she says, uh, "Oh, and I can do with an air tunnel." Oh. So, now that was addressed. Oh. So she uh, the, the 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 doctor has used his magic box. So yeah. make a special yeah. tunnel for her to travel in. You could have told me that when we weren't recording. I will to some text from old Tim. <laughs> anyway, so then we find out River knows how to pilot the TARDIS. Yeah. Actually, she can do it better than the Doctor. Yeah, because um, it, it's doing its usual thing of like rattling around all over mm-hmm. the place and she's sort of yelling at him saying, Look, you just need to put the stabilisers on. Those blue switches over there. Uh, I, I'm just going to describe this moment for because I love it. Um, so she flicks the switches and like just immediately it just it's like serene. And the doctor's response I think is absolutely priceless. He just says, "Well, they, you, you just made it boring now, haven't you? They're not so they're, they're they're blue boringers." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> love that line, blue boringers. So they're following the ship that she was previously on. Yeah, uh, the Byzantium. But then we find out it didn't land, it crashed. Yes. Do you recall, you probably don't, uh, in uh, Silence of the Library, when she's checking diaries with the Doctor, and the Doctor is completely clueless because it was his first time meeting her, she asks him, have we done the crash of the Byzantium? Ah. There you go. This oh. is the crash of the Byzantium. So I might go back and see what else she says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she says quite a lot of things. Does she, like, go, have we done the good episode yet? (laughs) And he's like, no, 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 we haven't, sorry. (laughs) What if the good episode happens off screen? Yeah. uh, (laughs) It's like the time war. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, So, the Doctor refers to River as Professor. Yes. She didn't know that she becomes a professor. Yeah. At this point. And And I love her reaction. She's like, ooh, I'm going to be a professor someday. And then... (laughs) They say spoilers, which was like their little interaction word from Silence in the Library. Yeah. So, something in the crash could not die. I think they find that there's a sign of life still on the ship, Mm -hmm. and it's because it can't die. Yeah. And the Doctor explains River's diary to Amy. Yes. So, I don't know if it's at this point, but is it where Amy says, oh, she's really getting the better of you. Is she your wife? Yes. Yeah. And, like... The doctor sort of goes, "Yes, I am being very grumpy today." <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they do that sort of maybe two or three times across both Yeah, episodes. they're like teasing. Is she his wife? Isn't she? Mm. So then, four armed men appear for River, as we've said. So to be clear, four comma, armed men, not four armed men like men with four arms. Yes, yeah. There okay. are four men
1: who, who are armed. armed.
0: A bit, yeah. <laughs> Usual number of arms. we We specify. It definitely is. Given one of the, a major plot point later in the episode about uh, head quantities. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they're led by Father Octavius. Led yeah. by. Sorry, played by Ian Glenn Yes. Better known these days, I think, as Sir Jorah Mom- Mormont from uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. And I'm pretty certain he played Wesker in the Resident Evil films. Maybe. I've never seen them. Oh. No interest in them. Uh, Just to go off on a a slight tangent.
1: Yeah. They're all terrible. Yeah.
0: They're all terrible. My brother would defend them to Mm -hmm. the death. They're all terrible. And in particular, I think it's the fourth one. Me and my friends watched one night, you know, late one night. Laughing all the way through it because it's so terrible, uh-huh. and I was like, "That is the worst film I have ever seen, and I never want to see it again." Uh-huh. Okay, and it was, you know, a line I lived by until a couple of years later when I went for a tattoo. Uh huh. Sat in the chair, and the guy was just like, "Oh, you don't mind if I put a film on?" it <laughs> Just like, you know, we're going to be here a while, <laughs> and he chose to put on Resident Evil Four. Oh my goodness that is that is a double whammy right there yeah as if I wasn't in enough pain yeah <laughs> yeah but nah the Resident Evil films aren't great yeah but I mean what's Ian Glenn like in them because I, I love him in this and I love him in Game of Thrones so. um he pretty much plays the same character mm. just that, that like hardened battled veteran stoic yeah, I, he's. I mean, maybe that's all he can do, but I, you know what? I love that. He stick. does it so well. If because he is so good at it, just like every line reading. Yeah. Just has, and there is one line in particular that we will get to later. But I just every time it just. Two thousand and ten. me. I think this is pre Thrones. Yeah. Certainly, it cer- that. certainly I saw him in this before. Mm. Yeah, it would be. I think it was like two thousand and. uh yeah, how many... When would a go through something? Like 2011, maybe. So, like, yeah. only a year before, maybe, but... Yeah. So, River asks the Doctor what he knows of weeping angels. Yeah. And the angel is in the catacombs. However, the catacombs have now become what, a maze of the dead. Because you could turn any corner, and the angel can get you. I don't think that's why it's called that. Because uh, this is because the where the Byzantium has crashed is on an Aplan temple. Aplants being the original native species of this uh, planet that have subsequently mm-hmm. died out, um, and they ha- so it was just a catacombs of this temple that they the Aplants called the Maze of the Dead because they would have buried they had their dead buried into the walls right. of the maze. Right. So yeah. So it's at this point. Amy asks the Doctor if River's his wife and when left alone Amy looks at footage of the angel. So they're yeah. looking at again CCTV footage of the angel it's yeah. on like a four second loop. Yes. I think. Yeah, that's like all the footage that survives. And, and it's got its back to the camera. Yes. And it's in the classic pose we've seen yeah. hands in front of the face. Yeah. But as Amy's watching it it moves. Yeah, okay. and she's in like it's in like a little temporary. It's almost like a porter cabin thing they've set up, is it? Because basically, yes. what the um, what the soldiers and to be clear as well, we I don't think we mentioned that the soldiers. It's like a religious order. Yes, and to which um, you know, Amy questions like you know they they're dressed like soldiers, but how come it's like they're clerics? Uh, and it's, and the, the, the doctor just says. It's whatever century it is. The church has moved on, mm. <laughs> and I love that. you can only in a show like Doctor Who could you introduce the concept like that and just throw it away. So, nonchalantly, yeah, just um, we need that to be the case. It doesn't so let's matter. go with it. Um, but anyway, so they're trying to blast through the wall to get into the Maze of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, in order to work their way up to the wreckage of the Byzantium, um, because that's the only safe way they're going to be able to enter it. Um, but in the meantime, they've set up this like little cabin room to like review footage and stuff. So and that's where Amy's ended up. So every so often as Amy's reviewing the footage, the angel continues to move Yeah. until it appears in the room. Yeah. And I really love this effect. Cause it's like, cause it's still got the sort of staticky yes. video quality, but it's, so it's like a projection almost. Yeah. But yeah. it's there in the room. But towards her when she Amy realizes that the video is on a loop, and in yeah. the split second in which it resets, yeah, she's obviously not looking at the angel, and that's its opportunity to move. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know whether so she she pauses. She does. Yeah, yeah. But then we hear that whatever takes. The form of an angel becomes an angel. Was yes. that in Rivers' diary? No, it was um, when when they were like doing their research and stuff. Rivers River said she's found this book, and she said it's like a, um, it, she said it's sort of like uh, one of the only known texts about the weeping angels. Um, uh, and he said it like it was like written by this guy who was like half mad and stuff. So so the doctor kind of does this trick which is all back in rows where he like speed reads an entire book by just flicking through Mm. it in seconds and uh, I I like the way how the doctor comes to this realisation where he's saying like for a book that's telling you about the angels as a like means of protection why does it not have any pictures Mm. and then he remembers that it has on this line uh, the image of an angel becomes itself an angel so we're told that the eyes aren't the window to the soul, they're the door. Yeah. And Amy's eye begins to hurt. Yeah. Because her eyes have seen the angel. Yeah. But She stared at it too long. Mm. Was that a case in Blink? No. Nah. Is it just solely if you look it in the eye? Yes, I think if you look at it directly in the eye for an extended period of time, that gives it opportunity to right. take root basically right. some people what one of the big criticisms of this episode that some people have and it's it's a perfectly valid criticism to have is that it, this episode piles on a load of additional lore one of the appeals of blink is it's a very simple concept mm. it's just like here's the angels here's what they do bish bash bosh and it's a 45 minute horror film yeah what this episode does is it turns it more into like a sci-fi action epic kind of a thing it's twice the length it throws in a load more characters a load more detail a load a more saying backstory saying that like, Blink is like Alien and this is Aliens I think very much that's an apt analogy I think and like some a lot of people would say that Alien is the only good but like some people really stick to that a lot of people like, I know a lot of people really really love Aliens and say it's the best uh, which is Alien. your favourite um, it's ages since I've seen either didn't, and I think didn't that... you tell me it was Alien Resurrection? <laughs> 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 um, look, I, I think... of the t- <sighs> Put them in order. You've got the four Alien films to I choose. don't know whether I've... I think I've only seen Alien Aliens. and um, What's the third one? Just is Alien that... 3. Just Alien 3, yeah. I think I've seen that. I just can't remember. It's so long since I've seen I... any of them. I don't love any of them, to be honest. Oh, that's heresy. I'm sorry. Like, th- I'm, I'm, I'm going to be I, controversial. Yeah. Aliens better than Alien. Sure. Alien Resurrection better than Alien Three. So I would go two one four three. Mm. That's fine. Yeah. I, I I the 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 thing that I find with them is I love the design elements. Mm-hmm. I like the atmosphere. But I don't find them engaging. I don't think they're like that well written. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a problem I have a lot with a lot of like Hollywood films in that I find it really hard to care about anyone. And I think it's part of the reason why I like TV a lot more than film in a lot of cases is that you get more time to get to know the characters mm. and care about what's going to happen to them. Whereas with a film, it's like, okay, well, I've got all these people. Half of them are going to be dead within 45 minutes and I'm never going to see them again. And it's harder to care. What was the last Alien film called? There was Prometheus. Oh, well, Prometheus. Prometheus. Alien... I think there was like Prometheus 2. Yeah, but two it was them? called Alien something. Uh, they called it Alien again because they didn't think, think the Prometheus franchise. Yeah. I can't remember. I don't I've know. seen it. I'm sorry, yeah. I just... I, th- I, th- I feel like that they... They're full of interesting concepts but they're not necessarily... They don't engage me as a viewer. But See, that's on one, one thing that did engage me... With this episode, and I thought this was probably one of my favourite bits, Uh was if you were going into a horrible old maze to hunt a statue... Yeah. Isn't it so much worse when that maze is just full of statues? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And uh, what a a neat, simple idea. Yeah. Uh, You've got to admit, one of the... the, As I say, the thing that I love about what this episode, this story does, is a... It does something completely different to Blink. Mm. Like the t- the setting couldn't be more different. Yeah, um, right. and I love the atmosphere of the ancient temple and and all of these er, you know eroded statues and and obviously everyone's a bit on edge. But in fact, I I don't know where this is exactly this point, but I love the moment where one of the clerics just like fires a hail of bullets at one of the the statues because he thought he saw it move. And uh, he gets a right dressing down from Father Octavia who says, You know, we're worried, tense, but it would be really great if you could keep your head and not. Um, I think exactly the words, but sorry, let's try to lose your temper at decor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. As they begin to enter the maze of the dead, Amy rubs her eye. Yeah. Loads of sand comes out. Well, it's like sort of like grey. Dusty Dust, Like stone Well it's stone isn't it Yeah Yeah So That's a horrible moment isn't it We find out that the angel <laughs> Gets two of the army men Yeah And then I do not really get this at first But it's like Do they become angels No No uh, Because like One of the angels Sort of Adopts The personality Yes we. I mean We can discuss, discuss are, we, are we at that point now uh where angel bob we're not but let's go okay to. so so what what the way it's explained in the the script is that um the angel has basically torn out his cerebral cortex and is basically kind of leeching off the mind of mm. angel bob to and using that as a means of formulating words through the communicator and so as a result it speaks in this it speaks in Angel Bob's voice, and also has some of his mannerisms because mm. Bob's very sort of like mild mannered and like he always refers to but, him as "sir." Don't we? And how how do they communicate later on? Because they literally talk to the doctor. Yes. Again, it's always through Angel Bob from that point on. But so, like, so basically, it's one of the angels speaking through Bob. But, so, Bob's but Bob not. is dead. But Bob's not the, even there. No, no, because Bob, Bobby's—they they ripped his body to parts. I, I don't. It get happens it. off screen. I don't get it. Basically, it's his consciousness. They leech it. They they basically stripped his consciousness from his body and he, and are reanimating that inside through one. the communicator. But do they have the communicator? Label? Yes, because they stole the communicator from major Bob's body. Well, well, from from cleric Bob's body, so 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 that that angel can basically, as I said, use the consciousness of Bob to communicate with the doctor, and that's why it is this weird sort of mishmash where it's the the angel is communicating its thoughts and desires, but it's doing it through Bob, so it has that kind of mild mannered polite, mm. uh, uh, like where he says, "Oh, sorry, sir." I should have made I should have been clearer sir you know You know, Bob's dead yeah. sir you, you, you know so there's a bit of Bob remaining right it's it's really creepy and off-putting but also very confusing so if you do, if you haven't gotten on board with that as a concept I can see why you'd be like what is actually happening here so the Doctor realises at this point that the Aplans yes the indigenous species of the planet all had two heads yes they've been talking about that through the episode yeah Turns out, none of the statues have two heads. Did you notice this before the doctor no, pointed it out? Never really thought much about it. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It because re- because the, the the dialogue hat is, is such a hat on it. They have the been way. talking for so long, and you've been staring at all of these statues all the way through. But like, they've done such a good job of being like, they're just statues. Yeah. But the whole episode is about moving killer statues. Of course they're going to come to life. Of course they're going to be angels. Yeah. It's so good. So the Doctor turns <laughs> everyone's torches off. Yeah, just all, for a second. Just for a second. Just to check. And every statue moves. <sighs> yeah. I love that moment. So they're all going to come after Yeah. <laughs> and I love as well, because they're all eroded. And so it's like, it's not the look of the angels that we're used to. They're all worn and haggard and... Mm. Like you know, partially yeah. featured. Yeah. Rather yeah. than statuesque, they're yeah. like old statues that have worn down. Yeah. Just through. They're you, almost through like the centuries the, of neglect. the bodies you see in Pompeii. Yes. Just a throwback to that. Yeah. Amazing episode. Yeah. That was so important to everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. But you actually haven't even heard the last of that episode. Like it still has ripples that you've not encountered yet. Right, if this is some <laughs> sort of, like, prank, where we have heard the end of it, but you're no, just make- tricking no, no. me into looking Trust for... me, trust me. Oh, God. <laughs> right, so, whilst all this is happening, Amy's beginning to turn to stone, but it turns out it's all in her head, because the doctor uh-huh. bites her to prove, if your hand was stone, it would hurt. You would, would feel, hurt. yeah. Okay. Everyone's torches start to die. Yeah, The because turn- the angels are kind of like feet, like, they're trying to manipulate. Yeah, we saw we saw that that's something we did actually see in Blink that they had the ability to like disrupt the electrics. So, yeah, you know. So the angels tell the doctor that Bob died in fear just to wind the doctor up a bit. Yeah. And the doctor says, "Never put me in a trap." And he shoots one of the gravity globes. They'd, yes. Again, they'd hung a bit of a hat on that mm-hmm. earlier on, so that's what allows them to walk on surfaces. So, at a so different angle. The, the gravity globe is actually it's just a lamp, basically. We saw them in uh, the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. Mm-hmm. They use that same technology. It's yeah. just like a sphere, glowing sphere that you can like throw up, and it will just suspend. It will just like defy gravity and just like so. It's a great way to light a, a big dark chamber. But obviously, it's like we don't know exactly what it is, but it's really got some kind of liquid anti-gravity thing inside it. So when the doctor shoots it. Because he says he, he's going to shoot it and like tells them to jump at that moment. So yeah. when they do it, like disrupts gravity enough that they're now... They're now upside down. Upside down on so, the surface of the Byzantium. So this is where Flesh and Stone, the second episode, begins. Yeah. And they enter the crash ship and the lights are failing and flickering. Yeah. So we get the Doctor and his crew at one end of a corridor and every few seconds... The angels advance up the corridor. Yeah. yeah, and this is the closest I think we get to our running about segment of yeah, the story. Probably there's, I mean, it's, it's quite tense. But as I say, I don't, I feel like the the action elements in this episode are not brilliantly directed. So it is kind of hard to follow. There's a lot of running about, and people shouting at each other, and frantically sonicing at doors, and yeah. I, I'm i not going to even... I mean, you've made notes. Maybe you can summarise it better than I can, but I feel like there's a lot of flapping about and eventually they get onto the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've put Octavius says if more of his men die, he'll tell the Doctor who Riven uh, yes. really no, is. That's, that's, yeah, that's something that he's been kind of teasing, like, you know, he has to trust you. He can't know who you are. Yeah. yeah. So they fall back through a bulkhead door to the secondary flight deck. Yeah. And at this point, I'm I'm just going to raise this because it's sort of going to go through my notes Uh a little bit. We're in conversation. Amy gets numbers wrong. Yeah. So I can't remember the context, but it's... I think they say, oh, we need to get through four doors. And Amy goes, yeah, that's right, ten doors. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, um, no. No. And I've even written down the side of my notes the numbers as she said them. Because I thought is this going to be some sort of code? But after a while, I Uh, gave up when it went 10, 9, 8, 8, 7, 7, 6. (laughs) Yeah. So the angels are basically making Amy count down. And it's one of those things, I mean, it's like the old joke, isn't it, where a man goes to the doctor and the doctor says, you know, you're very ill. And the man says, how long have I got left to live? He goes, five. He goes, oh, months or years. And the doctor just goes, four, (laughs) (laughs) three. You know, it's just to instill... Fear. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's just, they're just toying with. And, and this is, we've seen elements of this throughout this story so far. The, the angels are just colossal dickbags. Yeah, they're piss taking bastards. Yeah. They love making you feel like a right knobhead. Yeah. Yeah. So the doctor opens a door and it leads to like an eco forest. Yeah. So that's where the ship's oxygen supply comes from. Mm hmm. If you've been chased by weeping angels. Not for all the tea in China or that going there. <laughs> yeah, it's not not a great okay. choice. So at this they point they have some justification for doing it, don't they? Yeah. But, so it's at this point where they ask Amy if she's alright and she says, Yeah, I'm absolutely five. Yeah. <laughs> so she is counting down. Definitely, yeah. So the angels all start to laugh and say the doctor's missing something. Yeah. And it's at this point for the first time in this series, that he acknowledges the crack in the wall since the show's opening. Yeah. Okay. And as everybody escapes, one of the angels grabs the Doctor. Yes, yeah. Fortunately, only manages to grab his jacket. Yeah. So he's able to wriggle out of it. Yeah. So, in the forest, after but Amy begins to die, so pretty much <laughs> there's an angel in her mind it's forcing its way out yeah and yeah. it's shutting amy down yeah okay now the counting is just to scare amy as we've said yeah but if she closes her eyes it shuts off her visual center and that's where the angel lives in her head yes so you see the angel whatever take sorry whatever carries the image of an angel becomes an angel so her eyes are her visual center have taken the image of the angel yeah so all she needs to do is shut her eyes mhm okay the problem with that is she can never open her eyes ever again because the countdown has <laughs> got so low yeah that the countdown is actually for Amy losing control the angel taking yeah. over so she's at like half a second yeah so she's she's got she's got no choice but to just do that until, until they can find some way out of it okay now at this point, there's an interaction between River and Octavian. Yeah. And I think it might be the Doctor says, oh, you two are, uh, you know, an odd couple. Are you engaged or something? And Octavius goes, sort of. <laughs> so, like, straight away, I was expecting him to go, no. <laughs> yeah. But, like... Well, I think it, I think he says, in a manner of speaking. Yes. To what he's basically referring to, this he's not made clear to to the Doctor yet that he is effectively her captor he's like you know guarding her until such time as she has fulfilled this mission which he's doing in order to earn a pardon yes so with Amy being trapped in the middle of the forest with her eyes shut yeah the Doctor says remember what I told you when you were seven I I couldn't remember what that was yeah said get the custard I want something <laughs> yeah I get you know I'm not sure he's referring to that it's it's a weird little moment that isn't it because yeah. like he's because he's run off and then he's he's he like comes back and like yeah. holds a hand for a second and and like it's always i think it always feels like um he's been so busy rushing around that he's always forgotten that there is a person there yeah who is like in a bad situation. So like, he just, just like, kind of skips back for a second to comfort her. Because if we if we just talk about Amy for a second. Yeah. She's not really been at the forefront of any of the stories we've seen her in. Perhaps with the exclusion of maybe the season opener. Yeah. She's just sort of been along for the ride. Yeah. Perhaps more than any companion I've seen. Possibly. Certainly of the of the Bond series. And yeah. in this episode, she's like a bit of an afterthought to the Doctor because obviously he's got so many balls in the air yes yeah he is in a high pressure situation here. yeah Yeah. so I don't know I'm I'm waiting to see that great Amy story and I'm not certain this is it no I don't think this one is but there's time so the Doctor says that there is an explosion so large it will crack time yeah Um, And that's what what he theorises is the cause of the crack. I guess that's where we're going with this series. Maybe. So, River isn't really engaged, as we've already alluded to. Yeah. But the angels dim all the lights in the forest, so now it's become your classic horror (laughs) film Dark Knight in the Woods. Yeah. Hats off to Moffat for somehow managing to cram creepy ancient temple... High tech spaceship and dark gloomy forest mm. all into one setting. Yeah, that's that's impressive writing. And I will say as well, the set design and location work s- steps up to the plate. Like I don't think the action is well directed, but I think overall the tone and feel of this episode is really strong and atmospheric. Mm. Anyway, so River tells the Doctor that time's running out. He thinks it quite literally is. Not just on this mission, but for everything. And all the angels that are approaching Amy all of a sudden just turn and run away. Mm. So the soldiers go to investigate and it's a curtain of energy. Similar to the crack in the wall. Yeah. And Amy thinks it's following her. Yeah, because it seems to be. It seems to be everywhere. She, to be everywhere everywhere she, she, goes. she goes. Yeah, and because because yeah, she is this the moment where she like opens her eyes for like a split, a split second, second, just to see because because like the, the 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 soldiers have been going off one by one to investigate this, and every time they do, they disappear, but not just disappear. The remaining soldiers forget, forget that they even existed. So. I mean, I don't want to go too far ahead of it myself. Yeah. But it is a crack in time. Yeah. If you fall through it, you, you are essentially erased from time. Yes. Yeah. So how did Prisoner Zero get through it? Maybe on a special ship. I don't know. Or a, a magic hat. Because he was in prison on one side. Yeah, you can get stuff. was just a, just a fish name. contraband. Maybe. I'm not sure I buy that inconsistency. Anyway, <laughs> right. So, the doctor thinks now that time can be unwritten. Yeah, and he mentions not just rewritten, unwritten. Written. He mentions nobody remembers his cyber king when he went back in time. Yeah, he says you know it's the sort of thing people would talk about the when there was that big robot in London. <laughs> yeah, you would think, but it quite literally did not happen. Yes. Okay. So, at this point, an angel grabs Octavian, uh-huh. and. The soldier that was guarding Amy can't remember the other soldiers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, this is where we get a big revelation. Not just for this episode, but sort of for the series. Yeah. Uh Octavian tells the Doctor not to trust River. Yes. Says she killed a hero. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's only sort of one hero in this show, so... Canine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> He's not dead. He got his bum trapped in a black hole. Then he got out of it. And, then and now River he's Song just floating around in space. And River Song murdered him. i Song just murdered him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Imagine if that was canon. <laughs> so the Doctor runs off. Octavian basically says, you have to leave me. You have yeah. to survive. Yeah. And we get my, my favourite Ian Glen line delivery of the whole story where the doc- the doctor says, I wish I knew you better and he says in that just the most noble Ian Glen way imaginable, I think sir. You know me at my best. Yeah. What a way to go out. Wow. All yeah. power to him there. That is an amazing line, isn't it? Yeah. So the doctor contacts Amy and we find out time energy is spilling through the crack. And I mean we're on season five. I think this might be the thousandth different type of energy we've had <laughs> yeah. you know every episode it's, it's just, just like, like oh yeah nice. it's blag energy <laughs> yeah. Oh I best put my 3D specs <laughs> on so I can see this qualm energy <laughs> yeah. you know it's just, yeah. Uh, just bullshit <laughs> yeah it's you know, fun bullshit though you know when I'm teaching GCSE <laughs> science and we're doing energy stars and we're doing 8kg cement that's the way you can remember it uh-huh. I, I don't want to have to throw in time energy and qualm energy <laughs> right but basically, if you touch the time energy, it erases your history. Yeah. just eats you out of time. And then we get what I think is meant to be the high-tension moment in this episode, where Amy has to manoeuvre through the angels. They can't yes. move because she has to walk as though she can see. She has to yeah. trick them into thinking. Yeah, because they're still... they the, the, the All these angels are being slowly restored because they're feeding off the leaking energy from the crashed ship. Like, we haven't mentioned the fact that it was the angel that actually caused the crash of the Byzantium. The one yes. angel on the ship uh, cho- uh, basically manipulated it so that it could crash into this temple to revive all of these statues from the temple. You know, um, So the Doctor says... You know, they're distracted, they're feeding, they're not going to concentrate on you so long as you act as though you can see them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the thing that I love about this is the way it completely flips the script from Blink. In Blink, it's don't close your eyes. Keep looking at them all the way through. And now it is don't open your eyes. Mm-hmm. You know they're there, but you cannot look at them yeah. You, you you cannot open your eyes for a second or you will die. I I just I, I you know, that's some mad genius writing. Yeah, it's a it's a good twist. <laughs> yeah. Or well, just to take the the central conceit, the thing that everybody loved about your previous episode. And just and be like just it. be like, okay, I'm gonna write the exact opposite of it now. <laughs> so just for fun. She has a little beeper. Yeah. It's almost like a proximity beeper. Yes. So when an angel is straight in front of her, she actually knows it's there. Yes. Okay. So she begins to move through them Mm -hmm. successfully. Yeah. And as she moves away, River teleports her onto the flight deck along with River and the doctor. Yeah. I think have we skipped the moment where the doctor's. Because the doctor and River, it's just the two of them on that bridge for a moment. And uh, the doctor's getting more and more agitated because he's trying to figure out what to do about the, the crack. And he's like, we need to feed it some kind of big, complex time uh, anomaly, basically. Uh, and and Rivers kind of snarkily just like, well, like what? And I love Matt Smith's performance because he just completely snaps in that way, Just says, like me, you know. So so he's the reason he's so educated is because he knows he's got one plan, and the plan is to basically wipe himself out of time. Mm. But that will plug the hole, you yeah. know. And and I I really like what Matt Smith's doing in this episode. I think I, the thing that I love so far that we've seen from this Doctor is the way that he is so cuddly and friendly and, and like, eccentric most of the time. But then every so often, it just snaps. Like, yeah. you know, that just melts away. And, and you're just left with this, you know, the, the anger and the pain and the frustration of being... The one that has to fix everything. So, yeah. So, as the Doctor begins speaking to the angels, they continue to feed off the ship's power. Yeah. Which, in the end, is their undoing, because it causes the gravity to fail. Yeah. Casting them all into the crack. Yeah. And there's some excellent punmanship going on here as well, because first of all, he says... He says to uh, River, you know, River's kind of, you know, can you just say, oh, what are we going to do? And he's like, oh, get a grip, River. And it's just like, no, literally get, get a grip. Get <laughs> um, Yeah. And so, yeah, the gravity goes off. They all go tumbling into the crack. Yeah. That deletes the one in Amy's head. Yeah. She's better now. And River tells the Doctor she'll see him again when the Pandorica opens. Mm-hmm. We've heard that before. Yeah. I wonder if that's what's gonna like cause this big bang the Pandorica yeah yeah. well as the doctor says the Pandorica's just a fairy tale yeah cause the Weeping Angels aren't a big timey thing so they won't close the crack well they feed off like they displace people in time yeah so yeah. they are fairly complex as you know yeah. time creatures go so after all everything calms down yeah Amy tells the doctor she wants to go home. Yeah. She says he's not the only one that's running. And they go back to their bedroom. Yeah. Now... This is a weird scene. Yeah. Now, the last time we saw the bedroom, there was all the doctor yeah. things yeah. that she'd made. Yeah. And we saw the wedding dress. Yes. Okay. And she now shows him the wedding dress. Yeah. And says, look, this is what I'm running from. And I'm pretty certain when we did our season wrap up I said it's the one thing I don't want it's the one thing that I'm a little bit sick of she tries to kiss him yeah and I'm so done with romanticism between the doctor you know to be fair how many times does he have to say it's not going to work yeah and to be fair the doctor is as well and the one thing I do like is is the way like physically, Matt Smith's performance. like because she's like coming on really, really strong, and he's just like he's constantly like squirming and weaving and like moving her hands out yeah. of place and like so it's it's a very physical performance between the two of them, even like desperately dodging her advances because um, we then get the second part. Yeah, that I'm certain I said I didn't want. Yeah, the Doctor looks at Amy and says it's all about her. Yeah, another fucking chosen one. Another. Well, Another child of destiny. We don't know what he means by that yet. Well, the base code for the explosion that we saw them decipher earlier... Yeah. We got this date that was incomplete. Yeah. But then we see it's going to happen, the code complete, on Amy's wedding day. Yes. So, all we know is she is potentially... she is a piece of the puzzle. So, they're adventuring before... Eventually, the Doctor's going to take her home and she's going to get married. Yeah. But sort of unbeknownst to them, when he does that, it's going to cause an explosion. Maybe. Well, maybe not cause it, but it's going to it's, occur it's in time it's with this explosion. Yeah, the, so it's related in some way. Yeah. We don't know exactly what. So, yeah, a weird, a weird scene. I think, look, for to justify I feel like from Amy's perspective... One, we know already, she's she's quite a flirty character. That's uh-huh. kind of like, that's part of her thing, you know. She was working as a kisser, gram and she has... Like, you feel like that's that kind of thing is almost a shield for her. Yeah. To an extent. And she has just been through an incredibly traumatic experience. And people process trauma in different ways. She was already having kind of weird... You know, pre-wedding jitters, which is a normal thing that people go through. So she was like in that anxious state, her imaginary friend turns up out of the blue, turns out he wasn't imaginary after all, yeah. whisks her away on these crazy adventures, one of which ends up being very, very traumatic, and in Amy's weird brain, that kind, the way she tries to deal with that is by trying to get off with the doctor. So I understand it from a character perspective and from a writing perspective. What I don't like is that it's played in a jokey fashion. I feel like it should have been tr- played more seriously. Like, mm. oh, she is damaged. Like, And it's partly the doctor's fault well largely the doctor's mm. fault that she is as damaged as she is. Um, so I, what I don't like is that you're seeing this damaged behaviour and they're playing it off For gags. Hmm. But the actions itself, I don't necessarily dislike. And whilst, yes, it is, again, this weird kind of romantic thing, it's obviously not going to go the same way that it did with Tennant and Rose. Because this... I feel like out of all of the the modern doctors we've had so far, Matt Smith is the most clearly asexual. Yes. Like, Like, I mean, even look at the way he behaves around river Mm. just incredibly awkward like she's again she's quite a forward flirty kind of character with him and he is just he doesn't he physically doesn't know what to do about that so I, i must say that i like this scene in the sense that it drops a lot of revelations about where we're going this series yeah i couldn't have sat through another bad wolf Yes, you know, I couldn't have sat through another, you know, whatever it was—the three man thing. Yeah, the three. Not four times. Yeah, that. just yeah. It's that's the thing. It's uh, what I like is it's not just randomly repeating the prophecy every time we get a little bit more. And with I it. like that the Doctor's working it out. Yes, yeah. I want to see him piece this together yeah. and at the end have a plan. Yeah, I don't want him to be just like, oh shit. Yeah. Bad wolf. Yeah, and even the way, even the way when he reacted to where, where, what River said, like "Oh, we'll meet again when the Pandorica opens," and he, and he says, "Well, first of all, we know now that they will meet again, mm-hmm. that, that we'll see the, uh, the Pandorica in some form." But it, he, the way he reacts to that, oh, that's just a fairy tale. That's really intriguing. He doesn't believe this thing even exists. Yeah, and Rivers say, "Oh, it's in my past. It's happened." Yeah, that's so and and, and like the way the crack in this episode it's it's a plot point it's it's a part of how the whole episode resolves it's not just it's not just they're just throwing it in at random points Mm. just repeating it like a meme it's it's pivotal to how the story unfolds so it feels it feels a lot more involved as an arc I think I would say I like everything yeah that comes out of this episode yeah Probably what I didn't like was the episode itself. Okay. Well, you never know. Maybe the rest of the series will recontextualise we it a bit for... for you. Yeah, this is going to end up being the fucking fires of... <laughs> Who knows? Now, mm-hmm. how would you feel if I told you that this is the last time we ever see River Song? It can't be. <laughs> It can't be.
1: No, it isn't. Of course it isn't. I but imagine, say, imagine if it was. Imagine if they just like,
0: <laughs> just like ah, well. Imagine if they had these grand plans and then they couldn't get Alex Kingston back because <laughs> she got some other gig. And they're just like, <laughs> I don't know, I mean. <laughs> we could see a younger one. We could probably see an Maybe. older one. Maybe. But, uh, but yeah, no, we, we will be seeing her again. Good. I won't say when. I didn't want it to be we'll like, there's an episode where, there's some child that helps the doctor, and all the way through we never hear a name. And then at the end, it's just way. like, "Oh, River, come in for your tea." <laughs> oh god, that would be that would be the worst. Yeah. That would be the literal worst. Yeah, yeah. No, we don't get that. You'll you'll see proper River Song again at some point in the future. Hopefully. Um, spoilers. Um, hmm. Mild spoilers. Um, um, so anyway, yeah. Off to Pastures New. next week. Uh, the Vampires of Venice. <laughs> oh, I wonder what that's about <laughs> and where it's set. Yeah, <laughs> I hope it's a Frankenstein in the <laughs> <Milan>. land. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a fun twist? Uh, but until then, thank you very much for listening, everyone, and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to neither the time nor the space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timespacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timespacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who thing.